0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Connecticut. Hey, Rahul, how's it going? Hey, Jackie, it's going well, my friend. How are you doing? I've been doing good. What have you been getting up to this holiday period?
1: Uh, Not much. Started off with a little trip to New York City this past weekend. Exciting. Yeah, and so I missed... All of the Premier League games, so I'm going to rely on you to bring us up to speed. You missed a lot of goals this weekend, my friend. I
0: did. It's I picked a bad weekend to go away. You did indeed. I did have a frustrating Saturday because I lost some of my Wi-Fi and I rely on that to watch games. But I think we have a lot of content here for our listeners. So should we go ahead and get started? Let's
1: get started.
0: So we'll go ahead and kick off with the Chelsea West Ham review. So before we get into the final score, we'll just walk through the game like we usually do. We ended up playing a 4-3-3, Mendy in goal, Aspilicueta at right back. James has been out with an injury. Juma-Silva partnership continues. Ben Chilwell at left back. Kante, Jorginho, and Mount in the middle. Pulisic, Abraham gets the start ahead of uh, Giroud, and then Werner on the wing. So a decently strong team to play West Ham. We're coming off two losses. And in this game, Mason Mount was making his 50th EPL appearance, who was the youngest player to do so since 2002. And that person was John Terry himself.
1: Massive congratulations to Mason Mount, and That points towards his consistency.
0: Yep, absolutely. So the game kicked off really well. Uh, actually, it started with Declan Rice scoring a goal in the first few minutes. But luckily for us, and VAR did see this as well, he was ruled offside. So we were lucky there. And then it came on with a little more bad news. Ben Chilwell got injured within 10 minutes. He did twist his ankle. Emerson came on to replace him which was a good replacement for sure and overall I think the feedback's coming out of the Chelsea camp that he's only going to be out for a few weeks unfortunately these weeks are very very busy with the christmas period so we're going to miss him but luckily Emerson did come on and perform well as the game continued on we scored right after the Ben Chilwell injury with Thiago Silva scoring a powerful header from a Mason Mount cross and luckily for us he was unmarked completely now we've scored I don't know how many co- goals from corners nowadays
1: I think it's about eight and eight of, of three out of the eight have been assisted by Mason Mount.
0: That is ridiculous. Definitely a step up from the corners we were taking last season.
1: Yeah. Last season I think we kept hitting the first man every time. Uh so this season it's it's fulfilling to see the balls coming into the box and, and them being finished.
0: Yeah, and it's also exciting that our defenders keep scoring. We've talked about this several times. They're actually helping out quite a bit. I think this is Tiago Silver's second goal of the season from a corner as well. So exciting to watch. Honestly, we were really controlling the game for that first 20, 25 minutes. West Ham's only major, major chance came when N'Golo Kante had a slip, which is unusual of him. But Aspilicueta was there really quickly to snuff it out. We kept about 70% of the ball up until about the 30th minute. And then I really don't know what happened. We either lose concentration or something where we are just not comfortable with ourselves. And we really let West Ham back into the game. They started to have more chances in control we had an opportunity in the 42nd 40 second minute but timo warner unfortunately missed that i'm a little bit worried about timo warner we can talk about him maybe after the full review but we went into the second half one nail up we came back i was hoping we'd have some fire we just didn't start with fire the game was kind of back and forth between us but nothing too exciting jorginho came on for sorry kovacic came on for jorginho in the 65th minute. Up until the 70th minute, really, West Ham with a better team. No major chances by either. Timo Werner was looking slightly poor, not too sharp. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on him so far?
1: Yeah, you bring up a a good point with Timo Werner and we've seen a lot of coverage on him not scoring and and being um, wasteful in front of goal, which all is justified, but You've got to remember he's moved to a new league. He's playing on the wing. And it's not that he's just not showing up in these games. I mean, I think I saw a stat last week. If he hadn't scored in the last eight games, but I counted each of those games and he had assisted or shot a goal. And that was converted into a goal. So it's really okay, yeah, we have signed him to score goals, but he's still providing a lot of other aspects of his game
0: into the team, which are turning into goals. Yeah, that's right. And honestly, a segue from there, he did have a shot that became a cross and Tammy Abraham put that into the net. He took it really, really well. Wasn't the best shot from Werner like we've touched on, but Tammy Abraham was there to pounce on it like a poacher. That was in the 77th minute. And about two minutes later, Tammy Abraham scores another goal to put his second one in. He's having a little bit of a drought and cleaned that up really well in this game. Killed it off to 3-0, but it was lovely build-up play and a great, great cross for that one as well. So we finished the game off at 3-0 and uh, not really much more to say other than we weren't at our best, but we're in winning ways again.
1: Yeah, and, and it's good to get back to winning ways, like you said. Uh, it, this game would have gone differently if we, you know, we hadn't killed it, you never know. West Ham pick up a, a goal right at the end, and it turns into a draw. But for us to finish it off and and score the second and the third is is good to see. In that we may not have performed as well, but we still got the goals and we still get the win and we gain some confidence going into this busy holiday period. And I saw the highlights, and I think Timo Werner was. Very smart with that assist for the Tammy goal. <laughs> I'll
0: let you have that one for sure. But no, exactly. It's something to build on from the two losses and take us into Boxing Day, which is definitely a very busy period coming up. So happy with the win. Happy for Tammy because he's gone through a dry spell and we were always talking about Tammy versus Giroud. We've argued about him several times on this podcast. If Tammy is the future, this is the, the springboard he needs to take and move forward with it. So really, really happy for him as well.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. We expected him to start, and, you know, that start comes with two goals. So there's not much more you can ask from him. And it's good for his confidence and, and for the team overall, like we've said, that, you know, they know they have two strikers, either one
0: plays and scores. And yep. so they can count on, on both of them. Yep. So overall, it was a better performance than the last two, like we've touched on. No one really stood out by default. I need to say that Tammy Abraham was the man of the match. I'm not hating on him by any means. I think he took his chance as well. But some good shout outs for me would be obviously Thiago Silva performing really, really well. Even Frank Lampard touched on him being at the age of 36, new league, solid in the back, always performing well and leading us really, really well. Uh, Another one would be Aspilicueta coming back into the team after a little bit out with James having a run of form and Aspilicueta did not put a foot wrong. He does not offer as much going forward necessarily, but defensively extremely solid. And another one I want to give a shout out to is Emerson. He came on in the nine to 10 minute after Ben Chilwell's injury, and he was really good. So going into a busy period where Ben Chilwell may be out for the next few games, I'm excited to see that he was so solid.
1: Yeah. It's, everyone's taking their opportunities when they come in. And I think, like you said, Tammy deserves the amount of the match solely on his two goals but Thiago Silva and Emerson and Espelicueta are, are very good shots. And I think one that we're, we've we touched on in the past many times and, and we continue to, to big him up is Mason Mount.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's definitely looking like a solid player for us. We've said this many times over, but it's great to see him performing so well.
1: Yeah, and he's taken over the the role of creating and assisting and and being that spark from midfield that we've been looking for in the last two games and the losses that we had. And he turns up and assists the first one and plays a big role in the third one. So uh, I know he plays deeper in that he plays in the three midfield, but he's always looking to get forward and and attack and and help in that aspect too. So uh, Mason Mounts, very bright future is is with us and i hope it he fulfills his potential
0: yeah one one quick thing on that is we did play a 433 but it did almost merge into a 4231 because with Jorginho and kante starting they like to sit a little bit deeper and mason actually pushes into the midfield and i think with kai havertz not starting this game Mason Mount almost took a more central role and stepped into that, making it a 4-2-3-1. And he plays well off of Tammy Abraham. They have a relationship there. So playing right behind him, it actually helps out. So uh, one thing we did touch on just now is Kai did not play. He's not been in such good form. We've talked about him in previous podcasts as well. It was nice to see him get a little bit of a break. He did get a few minutes. I think it was eight or nine minutes to get a run out. So overall, it's good for him to come off the bench and just slowly get back into form.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think this was a perfect way for us to bounce back, not just the result and the win, but some of these players get rested or get some time to get their head straight in terms of Kai Havertz and others come on like Emerson and get some game time ahead of a uh, busy holiday period. And overall, I think it's a good way for us to move on and move ahead into some of the tougher games that are
0: coming up. Absolutely, for sure. So that pretty much wraps up what we went through with the Chelsea game. Now I did miss some games due to Wi-Fi, you were out. So let's do a quick review on some of the score lines that happened and what we were able to keep up with. So I know Southampton and Man City played. We both predicted different results there. You wanted Manchester City to win this game and they did. You predicted 2-1 and I predicted a 1-1 draw. Man City did get away with a one-nil win. A hard-fought game overall, but Man City squeezed this one out and continued to push out the performances they need. The next one I wanna talk about would actually be Everton Arsenal. So why don't you take us through that? Because you predicted something slightly different here for us. You know,
1: I, I, deep down, I'm, I was hoping that Arsenal got this win that they will at some point get in this game against Everton so that when they come into our game, th- that pressure isn't on them to break this cycle. <laughs> right. So selfishly, I predicted a win for Arsenal, but obviously they didn't come through. And Everton were, were brilliant. They attacked when they had to. They defended when they had to, like they did against us. And deservedly won the game. And and Arsenal barely created anything apart from putting in a million crosses to I don't know who. Um, and so credit where it's due, Everton have been good. And, and they continue to perform in the league. Uh, they're out of the EFL Cup. But I'm sure Ancelotti and, and his squad are focused on finishing in that top four, top five in the Premier League. So good for them. And and Arsenal continue to disappoint. And I continue to grow very, very nervous ahead
0: of this game on the weekend. Well, we'll touch on that game next, but hopefully they go into that one and lose as well. And then maybe they can spring springboard from there afterwards. The next one of the weekend was Spurs versus Leicester. And honestly, I was a little bit shocked because I predicted that Spurs were going to take this one 3-1, ended up being Leicester with a 2 nail win. What are your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, I, I, I caught a little bit of that game. And it was really... it It's like Mourinho sets up to be defensive. It's about playing on the counter. But when the other team gets a goal or two goals, Spurs don't seem to have a way of getting around it and getting back into it. Right, And Leicester were brilliant. They defended the, the uh, Spurs threat very well and on the other side they knew where to attack Spurs and how to attack them and fill those spots with a penalty from Vardy and um, I believe the second goal came from um, Madison or maybe wrong but they they get their two goals and they defend them perfectly well and, and Spurs barely created anything in that game um, and so I think the bigger concern for Mourinho would be how to manage these games a little bit better when teams
0: know how to stop them and and end up getting goals on the other end. Yeah, so just a quick note on that. The second goal was an own goal by Toby Alderweireld for Leicester. And that one actually takes Leicester up to second in the Premier League, a few points behind Liverpool. So they are pushing really, really hard to get into that first top spot and continue to press for a title, title challenge. So we move on from there to who is at the summit of the Premier League, which is Liverpool. And my gosh, did we miss a game this weekend? Liverpool thumped Crystal Palace 7-0. What are your thoughts on that one?
1: That was a Jurgen Klopp statement that this is our final 12-30 game of the the year and we're (laughs) going to go out with
0: a bang. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because honestly, we didn't even bother predicting this game because on paper, yes, Liverpool should win but 7-0 is a real thumping. I think I texted you and I was like, what is going on? And you were like, yeah, I woke up and the game was 4-0. I was like, oh, this one's in the bag, and they just continue to score and score and score. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, and he didn't even play Salah in the starting 11, and they were 4-up, and he brings on Salah, and he assists and scores, and they make it 7. So Liverpool are clicking and coming together at the right time, and... Again, the injuries that they've had are not affecting them as we thought they would. And and that's testament to the squad that Topps built over the past three, four years.
0: Yeah, and this loss puts Crystal Palace in a bit of bad form. Their last two games before this were both draws, obviously against uh, Tottenham and West Ham United, which are tough games. But this seven-nil thumping, I hope it doesn't send Crystal Palace in the wrong direction because they were performing well up until then. This puts them at 13th in the league. Obviously, the league is extremely tight as far as points go. A couple of losses, a couple of wins. You can really bounce up and down. But I don't know if this means that they're going in the wrong direction. Hopefully, they can bounce off of this. But that was something to watch. Really, really brilliant performance from Liverpool. I don't think they put a foot wrong all game.
1: They did. And and I'm sure this gives them so much confidence going into the rest of this year and, and starting next year with being top of the table.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So why don't we move on to the next game, which was Zinedine Zidane versus Leeds. <laughs> and I say that because the game was actually Man United versus Leeds, and it ended up 6-2 with Scott McTominay turning into prime Zinedine Zidane with two goals in the second and third minute. I believe, and I don't want to say this wrong, I believe that is the fastest two goals by any player in the Premier League for forever, which was brilliant to watch. Because when I was watching the game, I turned it on and I was like, Scott McTominay scoring two goals. You don't usually hear that, but that was exciting. And really before Leeds could mount to come back, goals followed by Bruno Fernandes in the 20 minute, 20th minute, Victor Lindelof in the 37th minute, making it 4-0. Liam Cooper from Le- uh, Le- Leeds United, apologies, uh, scored one goal at halftime. So made it 4-1 going into halftime. So you were thinking, okay, Man United have this in the bag, but Leeds are such a crazy side. They can come back at any point in time. Game starts off again. Dan James scores in the 66th minute to make it 5-1, and then a penalty shout, Bruno Fernandez slotting that home to make it 6-1. At this point, the game is done and dusted, but Stuart Dallas scores a consolation screamer in the 70th-odd minute to make it 6-2. The game was ridiculous, and honestly, United were brilliant. However, I must say, this game could have gone in many different directions. This game could have ended 10-0 with the way United were playing, but it could have also ended 6-6 with some things that Leeds United were doing. So one of the most exciting games to watch this season.
1: That sums up Leeds United. Like you said, they can concede a lot of goals, but also score on the other end. So, But man, was I off with my prediction for this game?
0: <laughs> you were very much off. <laughs> I said a nil-nil, and, and we had eight goals. So Yeah, and I was honestly completely off as well, because I thought Leeds United would beat Man United 3-1. And here they are thumping leads obviously again we've touched on how the game went and it could have gone either way but man united on the day were, were brilliant dan james scores his first goal in i think eight or nine months as well so they're really coming into form and Ole Gunnar shire said that he needed this game it's showing that his fitness is building up which is great to hear man united are now sitting with the game in hand mind you third in the league as well so they really are in hot hot form they have won four of their last five games, with their only draw coming against Manchester City. So, they are really in red hot form right now. So exciting to see.
1: Yeah, and we've got to we've got to once again eat our humble pie, like we have with Man United in the last few weeks, and say uh, all the concerns we had and all the issues that we had with Man United seem to have vanished, and and Ole is is working his trick, and and they're performing and. For me, the biggest sign is Anthony Marshall, who had an up and down season, has suddenly come to life and is scoring and assisting and is just back feeling good about playing football. And you can see that with all their players. So it's it's exciting times for our United fans. But again, like we've said, A couple of bad results and and things can change, so you never know what happens.
0: Yeah, and I want to touch on one player because I was watching NBC Sports this weekend, and Jamie Carragher was actually talking about this. Is you're never too far off from having a brilliant performance because the teams like Man United or Manchester City or even Chelsea, in some regards, have good players overall. Sometimes we've discussed this here that they don't fit the mold, or they don't look at the long-term vision, whatever it may be. However, it takes one player to change and lift the entire squad. So Jamie Carragher touched on a few years ago, Fernando Torres comes in, raises Liverpool. They look like a different squad. And then you talk about him leaving Luis Suarez coming in and they almost won the premier league with Luis Suarez for man United. Something needs to be said about Bruno Fernandez because him coming in in January of last year really lifted this squad and he continues to lift the squad. If you watch some of, his, some of his interviews, the way he behaves, he's a real lead and he doesn't take no for an answer. He demands a lot from himself, but also from the players around him. You can see how much he pushes them and expects them to perform, especially when you're playing for a club like Manchester United. So big shout out to Bruno Fernandes. I hope he listens to me. Really, really impressed with his with his play. And, he, and he's one of my top scorers in my fantasy Premier League. So I definitely enjoy talking about him.
1: That's where the praise is coming from. Absolutely. <laughs> no, but you're you're right. He he deserves all the credit. And as much as we rival friends, you know, call him Pernandez or whatever, he always shows up for United in, in the big moment. Now, yes, they've lost games with him in the squad, but he's he's one man who's trying to drag ten men with him. And if this guy was playing back when Sir Alex was in his prime and, and doing his stuff. He would have definitely signed Bruno Fernandez, yeah, because he's got that mentality, like you said, and he's a fighter and he wants to win things. That's just what he wants. And you know, we I think some of our players, the new signings that we made, should be looking at him as a as a, as an inspiration. That you know he's coming to this league and he's taken it by storm. And he even said, I think this week, that he wants to finish this season with more goals and assists in games.
0: Yeah. That's very very exciting to hear because it just means it's going to be a performance after performance.
1: Exactly, and and that's what he demands from himself. So he wants teammates around him that put in the same performance and same level. So, I I am happy for our United fans, you know, to have him in in their squad. But as a rival fan, I'm I'm pretty jealous. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So before we wrap up the review, just a quick look at the table. I think I've touched on it for a few minutes, but Liverpool at the top in 31 points, Leicester City in second with 27. Manchester United with 26 points, just a point behind, but a game in hand. Everton continue their wonderful form, sitting in fourth with 26 points. Chelsea have climbed up considerably from last week with their two losses to fifth with 25 points. And Tottenham, unfortunately, drop out of the top four as well as Southampton, both sitting with 25 and 24 points respectively. At the bottom of the table, Fulham, West Bromwich, Chavian, and Sheffield United continue to battle relegation. So, why don't we move on to the preview and a big, big game for Boxing Day? And why don't you take us through who we're playing and what you think our predicted lineup will be?
1: Yes. So, like I've said already earlier in this podcast, I am very nervous about this game because Chelsea go to play Arsenal. And I know 99% of the time, this is an easy win for Chelsea just based on how things have gone for Arsenal. But that 1% chance that's there has made me so nervous that I've started thinking about what I'm going to do if we go ahead and lose this game, which is I'm just going to go off
0: social media. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a London derby, first of all. If you haven't gathered, we're playing Arsenal on a Boxing Day fixture, which is a fiery, fiery game always. Like you've touched on, Arsenal are not in good form, but. Take us through your predicted lineup. Let's start there.
1: Yeah, so 4-3-3. I've asked Lampard to change in in the last few games, but he hasn't. So I think 4-3-3. Mendy, Espalicueta, Silva, Zuma, Emerson, since Reese, James, and Chilwell are out. Mount Conte. And I think he goes with Kovacic, but I would like to see Billy Gilmore as the third midfielder, and then Pulisic, Tammy, and Werner up front.
0: Okay. I understand where your idea for Gilmore is coming, but I think for this game and some of your concerns you've mentioned, especially with it being uh, London Derby, as well as the fiery nature of it, I think you need to bring a little more experience, and I, I would opt for Kovacic. Again, Frank Lampard picks the team. This is just our predicted lineup. But what's your thinking behind Gilmore versus a Kovacic or even a Jorginho?
1: Yeah, my, my thinking is that we're going to dominate possession like we always do. We're going to be more on the attack than Arsenal, who tend to just want to defend and then go on, hit on the counter. And so I think we need someone that can dictate play a little more than what Kovacic may be able to do. Now, Jorginho can do that. and And the perfect example was this game last year at the Emirates, he didn't play Jorginho and we were struggling and he brought him on and, and things changed and we went and went on and won it. But with the number of games coming up and with Gilmore slowly coming back into this game, into fitness and, and coming into the team, I think this is a good opportunity for him to get 60, 70 minutes, dictate that play, get those Arsenal midfielders running around him, tiring themselves out while he just sprays it out to mount. Who can run with it or Pulisic or, or Werner or even a Conte who's full of energy and we always know that if Arsenal are on the break we've got Conte we've got Gilmore we've got Mount who are all energetic guys that will run back to stop that break so that's my thinking but you you may be right he, he would prefer to go with more of an experienced midfielder.
0: Yeah, your argument is perfectly valid, and all the points you've made actually make me excited to see Gilmore start the game, to be completely frank with you. However, the experience piece is where I'm looking to. Jorginho did come on in the last game. He was okay, and then, of course, Kovacic came on to replace him, which was good. So I think Kovacic starts, and if Gilmore gets a run out to get his feet wet and just get the experience of the the derby, I think that'll be great. Uh, The other one I want to touch on is, obviously, Pulisic and Werner are going to stay in the wings just due to some injuries we have. And Tammy Abraham, who scored in the last game, you picked Tammy over Giroud for this game?
1: I did, yeah. We've we've seen Lampard favor the striker that scores. And with Tammy getting two, it almost makes sense to give him this game. And we've got a game in 48 hours right after this Arsenal game, so it would right. be a good chance to give Tammy this game and Giroud play the, the Villa game. But we could also see it go the other way, and I would
0: be totally fine with it. Yeah, and actually, I'm in agreement with you because I think when we're looking at long-term prospects, and we've discussed this several times, if Tammy's going to be our long-term center forward, if he's coming to form, hopefully he can continue with this in the Arsenal game. And he scored in the previous game in this fixture, so I agree with you, I would pick Tammy Abraham as well. Anything else you want to run us through with this game? Because like you said, you're nervous. I know you've done a lot of thinking and soul-searching about this one, so do you have any information for us on this game?
1: Yeah, so I know we've said it'll be fiery and it'll be a feisty London derby, but there will be no fans in the stadium. So all the the feistiness and the fieriness will be coming from Arsenal trying to get another red card. Um, But no, jokes aside, it'll definitely be a tough game. Arsenal haven't won against an English team since November the 1st. Wow. Which is almost coming up to 60 days. That's ridiculous. So... um, my nervousness comes from the fact that at some point a team like Arsenal has to win. And what other it, way? Do win, right? Yeah. And what other way do they do that than get themselves up for a London derby? Right. But they did lose midweek versus City in the EFL Cup, so they're out of out of that competition. They lost against Everton last weekend. They drew against Southampton before that. Lost against Burnley, lost against Spurs, lost against Wolves. So those are their last five results. And I know nothing gives everyone else hope that they'll win this game, but you just don't know in this in this
0: sport. No, I agree with you. I think especially when you're coming into a London derby and you've got players like Willian and Louise who probably have something to prove maybe from an Arsenal perspective. So it could be fiery. It could be something where Arsenal turn it up. I just don't... I just don't see it, to be perfectly honest with you. I know we've come off a run of two losses. We've taken the win in this one. We need to springboard ourselves off of it. What's your prediction for the game?
1: I mean, I think we win it 2-1. But, again,
0: I'm, I'm just very ner- nervous. You're more and, hopeful about the 2-1 is what you're uh, telling me. Yeah,
1: like, I I... I should be a lot more confident against a team battling relegation, right? And have haven't won in almost two months, but I don't know. We tend to be a team that will show up being the favorite, and then just put in a one out of ten performance and let the other
0: <laughs> team look like prime Barcelona. Wow! No, so you, I'm usually the negative one on this podcast, so I'm going to be the positive one this time, just to maybe make you feel a little better. I think we will win three 0 I honestly think we will turn up and have a really good performance because my thinking is the same as your thinking in the opposite direction. This is a London derby. Everybody needs to step up. So if Arsenal can step up, why can't we step up? Tammy Abraham is coming off two goals. He needs to continue his form. Timo Werner is your goal. He works hard. We've talked about that. Pulisic is now getting to another run of of games. Hopefully, he stays fit. Fingers crossed. And Mount is playing some of the best football in his life. And not not to add to this, but our defenders, now I know we have Rhys James and Ben Chilwell out, but our defenders have scored more than Sheffield United. So we do have the potential to score. I'm not trying to hype this one up, but I think we'll win three now.
1: I wholeheartedly hope this happens. And we we have to get the first goal. Because if we don't, it's going to turn into one of those games where Arsenal get that goal and they just hold on and defend and defend and defend. And with their threat with Pepe, Obama Yang, nah, I say Pepe, but he's got the pace on, on the right. counter, Obama yang, uh, Buka Ossaka, Martinelli's back, and this last name I'm about to mention, if this guy scores against us, I may just never show up on this podcast either. <laughs> is William is also part of their attacking threat.
0: yep. Yep, and so, he has he has a chance to score from anywhere when he's in the mood. You you saw the William of last year under Frank Lampard. He he really can turn up to games,
1: and he turns up in these London derby games, and and he will want to show Chelsea they they were wrong for letting him go because everything so far has suggested that letting him go was the right decision. Right, right. So if he scores and we lose, episode thirteen is going to be my last one. <laughs>
0: Well, hopefully it makes for an exciting podcast because we may not hear from Rahul again if this goes in the wrong direction, but also hopefully it makes for an exciting boxing day because at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a wonderful game of football. We're all pro Chelsea on this podcast, so hopefully it continues in that vein.
1: Yeah, they can win their next games and the ones after that. But sure. <laughs> Arsenal, Arteta, I'm begging you, one more loss.
0: <laughs> okay, let's transition off of that because I don't want you to have a heart attack talking about Chelsea and Arsenal anymore. Another big game for Boxing Day is going to be Leicester versus Man United, which is a big game for the top of the table clash. Man United and Leicester are very, very close. Uh, again, Man United have a game in hand, so this could go into a really, really fun game. Um, Overall, I think United are in red hot form, at least domestically, with four wins in their last five. They only draw coming against City. We've mentioned that already. Leicester have been in decent form, but up and down, maybe a bit of inconsistency. And I know you don't like when I say the word inconsistency because I say the word inconsistency and the team goes off from there and goes on a winning run. But it's such a big game. I think there's a lot of pressure. However, with Man United being in the form they are, coming off the 6-2 win, having a Zinedine Zidane in their central midfield, I think they're going to win 3-1. I apologize. I think they're going to win 2-0. That was my prediction, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think Leicester have been good. They won against Spurs. But United, on the road, have just transformed into a different team. And back of the winning at home against Leeds and qualifying for the semifinals of the EFL Cup, They're just on a good run and they've got this good feeling about them. And I think they win it uh, 3-1.
0: Okay. All right. So we'll see how this plays out again. It'll be a very, very exciting game.
1: Yeah. And and it's Boxing Day. So a lot of crazy things can happen and and predictions could go out the window and and form goes out the window. So it's going to be an exciting uh, period of of games and, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: For sure. So now we've got a bunch of games coming up on the 28th. We don't want to make our podcast go with too much information and overload you guys. So I think we're going to move on to another segment just for today and cover some more information on our next podcast, provided we win because apparently Rahul will not be in the next one if we don't win. So let's move on to the blast from the past just to keep this going in in a positive light. I'd like to get this one kicked off with the Christmas holidays and, and everything coming down the pipeline. I've gone with some pure nostalgia over here and I've picked Darren Huckabee. So a lot of people may not know Darren Huckabee. I'll go through, he's an English uh, player that played for many, many clubs across England in the first division and second division. He started with Lincoln City, Newcastle United, Millwall, Coventry, Leeds United, Manchester City, Nottingham Forest, Norwich City, which is where I have a lot of memories from him. And then he actually moved on slowly on to San Jose Earthquakes. So. It's North City, which I want to talk about because that's mostly where I remember him due to his striking blonde hair and Mohawk. He inspired me to dye my hair blonde and actually do a Mohawk as well, a fun fact. He was the first name first name on my football bottle cap tournament as a striker. So if you've never played this, as kids, we used to take little bottle caps, metal bottle caps, and wrap them in paper. And we were able to write little names. So Darren Huckabee was always the first name I would fill out with the number seven. He would play up front for me in a formation of four four two. Most of my memories were in 2000-2004 when he played in the Premier League with Norwich. He scored a total of seven goals that season, mostly coming from the wing. In 2008, he moved to the MLS. So this is for our U.S. fans. He moved to the MLS to play one season with San Jose Earthquakes and scored a total of nine goals in 28 appearances. He retired after that season and actually now is an academy coach for Norwich. So that covers Darren Huckabee. He has such a great history, but... A lot of nostalgia coming up for me from uh, um norwich city
1: that's that's a very good class from the past because he didn't have a long career in the Premier League, but he played for a lot of teams in England right. and, and around the globe so and I didn't know he was a coach, so it's good to see that he's giving back to to the younger generation yeah did you ever play bottle cap uh
0: Premier I League did or bottle cap team? yeah Who was your favorite
1: player in that I probably picked Beckham. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah that 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 was another the blast from the past talk about just you know bringing up stuff from from the from back in the day that bottle cap game yeah, i totally totally forgotten about it yep uh, but my blast from the past is a chelsea related one and it actually just celebrated his 53rd birthday earlier this week and that is dan Petrescu a Romanian footballer who played as fullback and played for Chelsea from 1995 to 2000. And he signed for Chelsea from Sheffield Wednesday for 2.3 million pounds and scored his first goal for Chelsea versus Newcastle at the bridge. He also scored on Boxing Day, keeping with the Boxing Day team against Wimbledon in 1995. And another name that we here in the U.S. see pretty regularly. Robbie Earle also scored in that game. So uh, uh, another blast from the past player. Uh, Petrescu was part of the teams, Chelsea team that won the FA Cup in 1997, the League Cup and Cup Winners Cup in 1998. And he made a total of 152 appearances and scored 14 goals for Chelsea. And in 2000, left for Bradford City for one million pounds. And he was Chelsea's number two for that period. And another number two that, you know, kind of reminds me of Petrescu was Ivanovic, who always got into the goals, but put in a solid defensive performance. So uh wanted to make that link between the, the shirt number. Um, and I mentioned he was a Romanian footballer. So a question for our listeners, uh, who was the other Romanian player to play for Chelsea? And I'll give you a little bit of hint. He played for Chelsea between 2003 and 2004. So send us your responses Uh, as just like last time, we want you to comment on our Instagram and Twitter. So we'll be putting out a post right after this podcast. Uh, So please comment on that and let us know. And one lucky listener will will get a shout out from us. Maybe just from Jackie, because I may not be
0: back, but. (laughs) Sticking with that theme, aren't you? No, but that's an exciting blast from the past. As soon as you said Romanian, I was actually thinking of the other player you're talking about, but exciting to see you covered Dan, uh, wonderful servant for us, and honestly, for back in the day, two point three million was a lot of money. So you can tell that Chelsea really valued him when they went for him.
1: Yeah, and he was solid. Like I said, obviously scored goals, but defensively put in some great performances. And he was recently back at the bridge as a manager for, I believe, Cluj, uh, and he got a resounding uh, applause and, and appreciation from the fans. Yeah, so. well, that's exciting. Great blast from the past there. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. Um, if this is my last one, it's been a great ride, uh, but I'm joking. No, it's, it's been fun and, and we've got a lot of feedback and we'd love to hear your feedback. And with Christmas coming up, just wanted to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Stay safe. It's been a long and tough year, uh, but hopefully Jackie and I have been able to bring some laughs and and, and share some interesting blast from the past players with you over the last few weeks and um continue to leave us your feedback your shout outs we're loving them and you can find us on twitter and instagram we have our our romanian uh quiz question coming up so keep an eye out for that and continue to subscribe and let's grow the premier gels together
0: yep thank you and happy holidays everyone bye